0: Now the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. So last week we got into this season of creation, this season where the world's 2.2 billion Christians are invited to honour God as creator and sustainer of all life. And to recall that this is God's world, not ours. And that this planet and all who belong on it live on it belong to god during this annual celebration we are invited to join others some of whom will pray some of whom will do hands-on projects some will advocate and some well most of us will try to make small changes and i handed out a resource sheet uh, and if you didn't get it and would like it it's on the side table underneath the notice board In this season, we are reminded that this world belongs to God, not to us, and that we are made in the image of God. And we were reminded of that in the reading from Genesis, Genesis 1 to 27, the first creation story. And in the story, we are told that we are made in the image of God, who is creating and giving life, and that we are told our relationship with creation should be marked by these qualities creating and giving life and genesis 1:1 to 27 holds that our phrase about humanity being given dominion over the world which we usually read as domination in the west anyway domination mean meaning that we can use this world simply as a resource to create economic wealth And that is how the West has read it for the last two to three hundred years. But the Hebrew word is Rabah, which means kingly rule. And in the Bible, kingly rule means ruling for the long-term good of all subjects, starting with the poor. Our dominion is to live in such a way that the long-term good of all, including the world we live on, is First and foremost, is paramount because this is God's. This world is God's gift to us, and that stands in stark contrast, contrast to the way we in the West have treated God's gift for the last two hundred, two to three hundred years. This week, we are invited to pay particular attention to the oceans. So here's some fun facts about oceans. Thanks, Wikipedia. The oceans cover seventy one per cent of the surface of the planet. If all the Earth's crustal surface was the same elevation, which is the same as saying if the world was a small a smooth ball and the oceans covered all of the world, the depth of the resulting sea would be two point seven kilometres around all the planet 97.5% of the water on this planet is saline is seawater the remaining 2.5 is fresh water and 69% of that fresh water is held in ice either in the ice caps or in glaciers seawater has a very important influence on well on the world's climate it acts as a reservoir of heat. It kind of soaks up heat from the atmosphere and holds it. And we can see that happening today. And shifts in the oceanic temperature distribution can cause significant weather shifts, which is another way of saying that as bits of the sea warm up and other bits don't, uh, well, that affects our weather. And we know that because very soon, Weather forecasters on TV 1 and TV 3 will start talking about Enino and El. Well, I can never remember the name of the other one. And all of those are generated by what's happening in the sea. So the sea is what's causing those weather patterns that affect our weather. By volume, the ocean provides 90% of the living space on this planet. The science fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke has pointed out that it would be more appropriate to call this planet planet ocean rather than planet earth. Most life forms have evolved out of marine habitats. In the ocean there are 230,000 documented species of which 20,000 are fish. But there are, they estimate, some 2 million species they have yet to document. So we know just the surface of what's going on in our oceans. And marine species range from extremely tiny, microscopic, including plankton and phytoplankton, right up to, well, huge whales and dolphins and porpoises including the blue whale, which is the largest known animal reaching up to 33 metres in length. And last fun fact, marine microorganisms, including bacteria and viruses, constitute 70% of the marine biomass. So if you put everything that's living in the oceans together, 70% of that would be microorganisms, bacteria, viruses, plankton, phytoplankton, all those kind of teeny weeny little things. So how do you respond to all of that amazing information about oceans? How does it make you feel? Makes me feel in awe of what they're about. Quite overwhelmed at times. The ocean is so big and so astounding. And the sea itself, well, it's amazing. And a little terrifying. A lot more terrifying since the movie Jaws. One would have to admit Still haven't got over that movie. Our readings today, particularly our reading from Psalm and from Job, speak about how the writers were awestruck. I mean, Job, especially the passage we heard today which is the beginning of, Job's, of God's response to Job's questions, are, uh, I think, really important readings. The oceans and all of creation led them and leads us to a place of awe and wonder, not only at creation, but for those writers, and more importantly for those writers, awe and wonder at the one who created all of those. when they were overwhelmed by awe and wonder they and we are invited as job was invited to let go of our safe answers about god about life and about ourselves and to see the world and to see god in bigger ways the season of creation then as we Stand in awe of this world that God has created, invites us to see the world with the bigger mind that I've talked about last week and on Trinity Sunday. And we can see that bigger mind in the story story we heard from the Gospels, from Luke. Peter, James and John are silenced by the abundance of generosity that Jesus shows in the vast catch. And then they are invited to reimagine what catching fish might look like. They are invited into a bigger mind about born out of awe and wonder that pushes them to live in ways that they never imagined before their encounter with Jesus. So as we stand at the edge of the oceans, I wonder how our awe and wonder affects us. And what bigger mind we are invited into. The overall theme for this year's season of creation is the web of life. Biodiversity is God's blessing. And while there's no greater place to experience that biodiversity than in the ocean. So I'm going to show you a little movie now about the currents. The currents that hold the oceans together and move warm water to places where there's cold water, cold water to places where there's warm water, and move nutrients around and allow life to flourish in the oceans. And As you watch that, think about this intricate network that is at play in these currents and feeds the intricate network of life that exists within our oceans. So that one there is the Gulf Stream which takes the warm water up from the equator up into Northern Europe, up past Ireland which is why Ireland has such a temperate a reasonably moderate climate for a country that's so far north. it's that warm water that's coming up from from the tropics planet is sustained by an intricate net, a self-sustaining net of complex relationships and feedback loops that act like a natural life support system. This life support system has evolved and developed and has allowed life on this planet to develop to the point where it is today. In May of this year in The Guardian, an article was published about this net. It begins, Human society is in jeopardy from the accelerating decline of Earth's natural life support systems, the world's leading scientists have warned as they announce the results of the most thorough planetary health check ever undertaken. They talk about how nature is being destroyed on this planet at a rate tens to hundreds of times faster than the average over the past 10 million years. The biomass of wild mammals has fallen by 82%. Natural ecosystems have lost about half their area and a million species, a million species, are at risk of extinction, all largely because of human activity. What that means is that we are cutting the threads of that intricate web. We are chopping them. And those of you who knit or crochet or anything like that, we will know that if you cut enough of the threads, it all falls apart. And I think a lot of us had, when animals have been talked about going extinct, we've been sad about that. We've kind of wished that that wasn't happening. But because we are doing it on such a scale now, and because we are affecting ecosystems on such a scale, the consequences of that could be the collapse of life on this planet as we know it. And that includes you and I. Human life depends on that intricate web. So we can see the effect of cutting those threads on the in the oceans. So the oceans are heating up. They eat as a heat dump. And they are heating up at a much faster rate than scientists predicted. Uh, so a friend of mine, a colleague of mine in America, sent me a, a cheery article about that last year when he was just trying to, you know, keep me chirpy about life. Uh, so how does that impact the web of life? Well, as the seas warm, one of the first things that happens is they expand. Anything heats up, it expands. The seas will rise simply because they are warmer. It's not counting all the water from the ice caps and the glaciers. And we're already experiencing that. If you talk to people from the Pacific, they will tell you how the seas are already rising. But it's also affecting the weather and water cycles, which means there are a lot more droughts than there used to be. And there are larger and more frequent storms and floods. Again, the people in the Pacific will tell you about that. But that's also affecting the United States and other countries. When Bonnie and I were in New York in 2011, a hurricane came north. Hurricanes don't go that far north in the United States. But this was the first one that had gone that far north, and they had to shut down the subway system for the first time in their history. It's been shut down at least twice since then, since 2011. When we were in New Orleans last year, there was fear that one of the hurricanes was going to go that far north again. Something that was unheard of is becoming a frequent, regular event. And that's because the seas are warming and the storms are bigger. With those storms comes floods, much bigger flooding. So there's this irony of drought and flood. How often have we heard that was a 100-year flood to have another flood a couple of years later of the same magnitude? They used to be 100-year floods. Not anymore. What we are unsure about is the effect of global warming on those currents, on those currents that keep life going on this planet. What happens if the Gulf Stream stops? What happens to the climate in Northern Europe Well, ironically, it could lead to another ice age, because it's the Gulf Stream that keeps the temperatures moderate in northern Europe. What's happening to the biodiversity within the sea as the seas warm? All of those species would be pretty temperature-specific in their habitats, as most animals are. And if you change the temperature, what happens to those species? But it's not just about the heating, is it? We're also polluting the sea. And we experienced that here a few years ago when Rena hit the Astrolabe Reef. We saw how devastating that single event was on our, uh, on our um, ecosystems here. There was the extremely visible oil that was on the beach, and that was easy to avoid but catastrophic, there was all the animals that were caught in that oil spill and the great work done by so many people, so many volunteers in rescuing those penguins and other animals and, and uh, cleaning them. But there was all the tiny little beads of oil on the beach. I can remember the dog and I went for a walk and I looked down on the beach and I went, nope, there's no oil there because you couldn't see that. There was none of that on the beach. It just looked like there was little bits of black sand Well, we walked for a while, and then there was some of that. I looked at that and went, Oh, and then it breaks up, and then it breaks up. And I went, Wait a minute, that's not black sand. It's just little beads of oil sitting in the sand. And I looked at my feet and the dog's feet, and I went, Oh, my word, we are covered in oil. What was that doing? What effect did that oil have on the marine ecosystems? We could see it on the bigger plants, on the big animals, but what about the 70% we can't see? And what is that wreck still doing to our marine ecosystem as it continues to leak out the last of oils? And lastly, plastic. It's estimated there are something like 5 trillion pieces of plastic in our oceans. That's 150 million tonnes. And they are coagulating in vast islands of plastic in the middle of the oceans. You may have seen pictures of them and groups trying to work to clean those up. They are choking species, they are killing species because they are eating the plastic. And, well, they're changing the ecosystems. You've got a great chunk of plastic sitting across the water that changes what's happening in terms of temperature and the composition of the chemicals, which means the species that used to live in that part of the world don't anymore. They're creating whole new ecosystems. But what should be of some concern to us is that that plastic is breaking down, releasing little microbeads of plastic which are getting into the food chain. So increasingly, the fish that you eat will have plastic in it, which means you will be eating plastic. And that will slowly spread out across the food chain. Little beads, microbeads of plastic. What effect will that have on us all? Now, most of us can choose to be very careful about what we eat, but there are millions of poor people who rely on the fish of the sea. How will that affect them? None of this is any good. Well, what can we do about all of this? There is a sheet uh, next to last week's sheet about how we can respond to what's happening in our oceans, what we as individuals and as communities can do to change what's happening. More importantly, I wonder... How we might nurture both the oceans and this web of life, not out of an act of desperation that, that would be appropriate, but we are in the season of creation where we are invited to be in awe of the creator of all. We are invited to act not out of desperation, but as an act of devotion to the God, the source of all being as an expression of our being made image bearers of the God who is life-giving and creating. And we are offered the example of Peter and James and John who were invited into a bigger mind, born out of awe and wonder at what Jesus had done. So what would it mean for us to be born out of a bigger mind, born into a bigger mind, born out of awe at what God has done in this creation what would it mean for us like them to be pushed to live in ways we have never imagined so I invite us to respond out of awe for God and I think that's something we can actually offer the debate around climate change different standpoint as we begin to talk about the issues. So talk about some of that yourselves. How do you respond to that? What questions do you have? What might you do about that? Uh, And after we've had a conversation, we'll have a time of prayer.